are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. Sapphire Planet. Overpopulation does not depend only on the size or density of the population, but on the ratio of population to available sustainable resources. It also depends on how resources are managed and distributed throughout the population. The resources to be considered when evaluating whether an ecological niche is overpopulated include clean water, clean air, food, shelter, warmth, and other resources necessary to sustain life. If the quality of human life is addressed, there may be additional resources considered, such as medical care, education, proper sewage treatment, waste disposal, and energy supplies. Overpopulation places competitive stress on basic life-sustaining resources, leading to a diminished quality of life. Some scientists feel that, with the imbalance growing between population numbers and vital life-sustaining resources, humans must actively conserve cropland, freshwater, energy, and biological resources. There is a need to develop renewable energy resources. Humans everywhere must understand that rapid population growth damages the earth resources and diminishes human well-being. These reflect the comments also of the United States Geological Survey in their paper, The Future of the Planet Earth, Scientific Challenge in the Coming Century. 
as the global population continues to grow, people will place greater and greater demands on the resources of our planet, including mineral, mineral and energy resources, open space, water, and plant and animal resources. Earth's Natural Wealth, an audit by New Scientist magazine, states that many of the minerals that we use for a variety of products are in danger of running out in the near future. A handful of geologists around the world have calculated the costs of new technologies in terms of the materials they use and the implication of their spreading to developing world. All agree that the planet's booming population and rising standard of living are set to put unprecedented demands on the materials that only Earth itself can provide. Limitations on how much of these materials is available could even mean that some technologies are not worth pursuing long-term. It appears that virgin stocks of several metals appear inadequate to sustain the modern developed world quality of life for all of Earth's people under the contemporary technology. In other words, scientists feel that the overpopulation situation is going to lead to scant resources, scarcity, and food riots. On the other hand, some researchers, such as Julian Simon and Bjorn Lomborg, believe that resources exist for further population growth. In a 2010 study, they concluded that there are not and will never be too many people for the planet to feed. Some critics warn this will be at a high cost to the earth, stating the technological optimists are probably incorrect in claiming that overall world food production can be increased substantially over the next few decades. However, the environmental costs of what Paul and Ann Ehrlich describe as turning the earth into a giant human feedlot could be severe. A large expansion of agriculture to provide growing populations with improved diets is likely to lead to further deforestation, loss of species, soil erosion, and pollution from pesticides and fertilizer runoff as farming intensifies and new land is brought into production. Since we are intimately dependent upon the living systems of Earth, some scientists have questioned the wisdom of further expansion.
According to the Millennium Ecosystem Assessment, a four-year research effort by 1,360 of the world's leading scientists commissioned to measure the actual value of natural resources to humans in the world, they found that the structure of the world's ecosystems changed more rapidly in the second half of the 20th century than at any time in recorded human history and virtually all of Earth's ecosystems have now been significantly transformed through human actions. Ecosystem services, particularly food production, timbers, and fisheries are important for employment and economic activity. Intensive use of ecosystems often produce the greatest short-term advantage, but excessive and unsustainable use can lead to the losses in the long term. A country could cut its forests and deplete its fisheries, and this would show only as a positive gain to the gross domestic product, or GDP, despite the loss of capital assets. In the full economic value of ecosystems were taken into account in decision making, their degradation would be significantly slowed down or even reversed. Another study by the United Nations Environment Program called the Global Environment Outlook, which involved 1,400 scientists and took five years to prepare, comes to a similar conclusion. It found that human consumption had far outstripped available resources. Each person on Earth now requires a third more land to supply his or her needs than the planet can supply. It faults a failure to respond to or recognize the magnitude of the challenges facing the people and the environment of the planet. The systematic destruction of the Earth's natural and nature-based resources has reached a point where the economic viability of economies is being challenged and where the bill we hand to our children may prove impossible to pay. The report's authors say its objective is not to present a dark and gloomy scenario, but an urgent call to action. It warns that tackling the problems may affect the vested interests of powerful groups and that the environment must be moved to the core of decision-making. Although all resources, whether mineral or other, are limited on the planet, there is a degree of self-correction whenever a scarcity or high demand for a particular kind is experienced. For example, in 1990, known reserves of many natural resources were higher 
and their prices lower than in 1970, despite higher demand and higher consumption. Whenever a price spike would occur, the market tended to correct itself, whether by substituting an equivalent resource or switching to a new technology. One of our most critical resources is fresh drinking water. Fresh water supplies on which agriculture depends are running low worldwide. This water crisis is only expected to worsen as the population increases. Potential problems with dependence on desalinization are reviewed. However, the majority of the world's freshwater supply is contained in the polar ice caps and underground river systems accessible through springs and wells. Fresh water can be obtained from salt water by desalinization. For example, the country of Malta derives two-thirds of its fresh water by desalinization. A number of nuclear-powered desalinization plants exist. However, the high cost of desalinization, especially for poor countries, makes impractical the transport of large amounts of desalinated seawater to interiors of large countries. The cost of desalinization varies. Israel is now desalinizing water for a cost of 53 cents per cubic meter. Singapore at 49 cents per cubic meter. In the United States, the cost is 81 cents per cubic meter, or $3.06 for a thousand gallons of desalinated water. According to a 2004 study, one needs to lift the water by 2,000 meters or transport it over more than 1,600 kilometers to get transport costs equal to the desalinization costs. Desalinated water is expensive in places that are both somewhat far from the sea and somewhat high, such as Riyadh, and Hari. In other places, the dominant cost for desalinization is the desalinization itself, not the transport. This leads to somewhat lower costs in places like Beijing. Bangkok, Phoenix, and of course coastal cities like Tripoli. Thus while the study is generally positive about the technology for affluent areas that are proximate to oceans, it concludes that 
desalinated water may be a solution for some water stress regions, but not for places that are poor, deep in the interior of a continent, or at high elevation. Unfortunately, that includes some places with the biggest water problems. Another potential problem with desalinization is the by-production of saline brine, which can cause, be a major cause of marine pollution when dumped back into the oceans at high temperature. The world's largest desalinization plant is the Jeb Ali Desalinization Plant in the United Arab Emirates, which can produce 30 million cubic meters of water per year, or about 2,500 gallons per second. The largest desalinization plant in the United States is the one at Tampa Bay, Florida, which began desalinizing 25 million gallons of water per day in December 2007. In a January 2008 article in the Wall Street Journal, states, Worldwide, 13,080 desalinization plants produce more than 12 billion gallons of water a day, according to the International Desalinization Association. After being desalinized at Jubail, Saudi Arabia, water is pumped 200 miles inland through a pipeline to the capital city of Riyadh. However, there is some good news. New data originating from the GRACE experiments and isotopic testing done by the IAEA show that the Nubian aquifer, which is under the largest and driest parts of the Earth's surface in northern Africa, has enough water in it to provide for at least several centuries. In addition to this, new and highly detailed maps of the Earth's underground reservoirs will soon be created from these technologies that will further allow proper budgeting of more cost-effective water. Another critical resource is food. Some scientists argue that there is enough food to support the world population. But critics dispute this particularly if sustainability is taken into account. Many countries rely heavily on imports. Egypt and Iran rely on imports for 40% of their grain supply. Yemen and Israel import more than 90%. And just six countries, Argentina, Australia, Canada, France, Thailand, and the United States, supply 90% of the world's grain exports. In recent decades, the U.S. alone supplied almost half of the world grain exports. 
A 2001 United Nations report says that population growth is the main force driving increases in agricultural demand, but most recent expert assessments are cautiously optimistic about the ability of global food production to keep up with demand for the foreseeable future, or to say until approximately the year 2030 or 2050, assuming declining population growth rates. However, the observed figures for 2007 show an actual increase in absolute numbers of undernourished people in the world at 923 million in 2007 versus 832 million in 1995. The more recent estimates point to an even more dramatic increase of 1 billion people undernourished in the year 2009. The amounts of natural resources in this context are not necessarily fixed, and their distribution is not necessarily a zero-sum game. For example, due to the Green Revolution and the fact that more land is appropriated each year from wildlands for agricultural purposes, the worldwide production of food has steadily increased up until 1995. World food production per person was considerably higher in 2005 than in 1961. As the world population doubled from 3 billion to 6 billion, daily calorie consumption in poor countries increased from 1932 to 2650, and the percentage of people in those countries who were malnourished fell from 45% to 18%. This suggests that third world poverty and famine are caused by underdevelopment and not overpopulation. However, others question these statistics. From 1950 to 1984, as the Green Revolution transformed agriculture around the world, grain production increased by over 250 percent. The world population has grown about 4 billion since the beginning of the Green Revolution, and most believe that without the revolution, there would be greater famine and malnutrition than the UN presently documents. As the number of people who are overweight has surpassed the number of people who are undernourished, in a 2006 news story MSNBC reported there are an estimated 800 million undernourished people and more than a billion considered overweight worldwide. The U.S. has one of the highest rates of obesity worldwide. However, studies show that wealthy and educated people are far likelier to eat healthy food, indicating obesity as a disease related to poverty and lack of education as cheap high-calorie food with little nutritive values are consumed.
The Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations states in its report, The State of Food Insecurity in the World, 2006, that while the number of undernourished people in the developing countries has declined by about 3 million, a smaller portion of the populations of developing countries is undernourished today than in 1990. We have emphasized first and foremost, the report says, that reducing hunger is no longer a question of means in the hands of the global community. The world is richer today than it was 10 years ago. There is more food available and still more could be produced without excessive upward pressure on prices. The knowledge and resources to reduce hunger are there. What is lacking is the sufficient political will to mobilize those resources to the benefit of the hungry. As of 2008, the price of grain has increased due to more farming used in biofuels. World oil prices at over $100 a barrel, global population growth, climate change, loss of agricultural land to residential industrial development, and growing consumer demand in China and India. Food riots have recently taken place in many countries across the world. An epidemic of stem rust on wheat caused by a virus UG99 is currently spreading across Africa and into Asia and is causing major concern. A virulent wheat disease could destroy most of the world's main wheat crops, leaving millions to starve. The fungus has spread from Africa to Iran and may already be in Afghanistan and Pakistan. It is becoming increasingly difficult to maintain food security in a world beset by confluences of peak phenomena, namely peak oil, peak water, peak phosphorus, peak grain, and peak fish. Growing populations, falling energy sources, and food shortages will create the perfect storm by 2030 according to the United Kingdom government chief scientist. He said food reserves are at a 40-year low, but the world requires 50% more energy, food and water by the year 2030. The world will have to produce 70% more food by the year 2050 to feed a projected extra 2.3 billion people. The United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization warned. In Africa, if current trends of soil degradation and population growth continue, the continent might be able to feed just 25% of its population by the year 2025. Hunger and malnutrition 
kill nearly kill nearly six million children a year and more people are malnourished in sub-Saharan Africa this decade than in the 1990s. This was released in a report from the United Nations. In sub-Saharan Africa, the number of malnourished people grew to 203 million people in 2000, up from 170 million 10 years earlier. In the year 2001, 46% of people in sub-Saharan Africa were living in extreme poverty. Asia, according to a 2004 article from the BBC, China, the world's most populous country, suffers from an obesity surge. The article stated that altogether around 200 million people are thought to be overweight, which is 23% of the population, and 60 million, or 7% of the population, obese. More recent data indicates China's grain production peaked in the mid-1990s due to overextrication of groundwater in the North China Plain. Nearly half of India's children are malnourished, according to recent government data from that nation. Japan may face a food crisis that could reduce daily diets to the austere meals of the 1990s. All this because of overpopulation. Thinkers such as Thomas Robert Malthus proposed that, like all other animals, human population predictably grow and shrink according to their available food supply. Population growth in abundance of food and shrinks in times of scarcity. Proponents of this theory argue that every time food production is increased, the population grows. Some human populations throughout history support this theory. Populations of hunter-gatherers fluctuate in accordance with the amount of available food. Population increased after the Neolithic Revolution and the increased food supply. This was followed by the subsequent population growth after subsequent agricultural revolutions. Critics of this idea point out that birth rates are lowest in the developed nations, which also have the highest access to food. In fact, some developed countries have both diminishing population and abundant food supply. The United Nations projects that the population of 15 countries or areas, including Germany, Italy, Japan, and most of the states of the former Soviet Union is expected to be lower in 2050 than it is today. This shows that when one limits 
their scope to the population living within a given political boundary, human population does not always grow to match the available food supply. Additionally, many of these countries are major exporters of food. Nevertheless, on the global scale, the world population is increasing. As the net quantity of human food produced, a pattern that has been true for roughly 10,000 years since the human development of agriculture. That some countries demonstrate negative population growth fails to discredit the theory. Food moves across borders from areas of abundance to areas of scarcity. Additionally, this hypothesis is not so simplistic as to be rejected by a single case study, as in Germany's recent population trends. Clearly, other factors are at work. Contraceptive access, cultural norms, and most importantly, economic realities differ from nation to nation. Water deficits, which are already spurring heavy grain imports in numerous smaller countries, may soon do the same in larger countries, such as China or India, if technology is not used. The water tables are falling in scores of countries, including northern China, the U.S., and India, owing to widespread overdrafting beyond sustainable yields. Other countries affected include Pakistan, Iran, and Mexico. The overdrafting is already leading to water scarcity and cutbacks in grain harvest. Even with the overpumping of its aquifers, China has developed a grain deficit. This effect has contributed in driving grain prices upwards. Most of the 3 billion people projected to be added worldwide by the mid-century will be born in countries already experiencing water shortages. One suggested solution is for population growth to be slowed quickly by investing heavily in female literacy and family planning services. Desalination is also considered a viable and effective solution to the problems of water shortages. Land is also a precious resource. The World Resource Institute states that agricultural conversion to croplands and managed pastures has affected some 3.3 billion hectares, roughly 26% of the land area. All totaled, agriculture has displaced one-third of temperate and tropical forests and one-quarter of natural grasslands. 40% of the land area is under conversion and fragmented. Less than one quarter, primarily in the Arctic and the deserts, remain intact. Usable land may become less useful through salinization, deforestation, desertification, erosion, and urban sprawl. Global warming may cause flooding of many of the most productive agricultural areas. The development of energy sources may also require large areas, for example, the building of hydroelectric dams. Thus, 
available useful land may become a limiting factor. By most estimates, at least half of the cultivable land is already being farmed, and there are concerns that the remaining reserves are greatly overestimated. High crop yield vegetables like potatoes and lettuce use less space on inedible plant parts like stalks, husks, vines, and leaves. New varieties of selectively bred and hybrid plants have larger edible parts and smaller inedible parts. However, many of these gain of agricultural technology are now historic and new advances are more difficult to achieve. With new technologies, it is possible to grow crops on some marginal land under certain conditions. Aquaculture could theoretically increase available area. Hydroponics and food from bacteria and fungi, like corn, may grow, allow the growing of food without having to consider land quality, climate, or even available sunlight, although such processes may be very energy intensive. Some argue that not all arable land will remain productive if used for agriculture because some marginal land can only be made to produce food by unsustainable practices like slash and burn agriculture in the tropics. Even with the modern techniques of agriculture, the sustainability of production is in question. Some countries, such as the United Arab Emirates, and particularly the Emirate of Dubai, have constructed large artificial islands or have created large dam and dike systems, like the Netherlands, which reclaim land from the sea to increase their total land area. Some scientists have said that in the future, densely populated cities will use vertical farming to grow food inside skyscrapers. The notion that space is limited has been decried by skeptics who point out that the Earth's population of roughly 7 billion people could comfortably inhabit an area comparable in size to the state of Texas. However, the impact of humanity extends over a far greater area than that required simply for habitation. Population optimists have been criticized for failing to take into account the depletion of petroleum required for the production of fertilizers and for fuel and transportation, as well as for other fossil fuels. In his 1992 book, Earth in the Balance, Al Gore wrote, it ought to be possible to establish a coordinated global program to accomplish the strategic goal of completely eliminating the internal combustion engine over, say, a 25-year period. Approximately half of the oil produced in the United States is refined into gasoline for use in internal combustion engines. Optimists, however, counter that fossil fuels will be sufficient until the development and implementation of sustainable replacement technologies such as hydrogen or other sources of renewable energy occurs.
The United Nations indicates that about 850 million people are malnourished or starving, and 1.1 billion people do not have access to safe drinking water. Some argue that the earth may support 7 billion people, but only if many live in misery. The proportion of the world's population living on less than $1 per day has halved in 20 years. But these are inflation unadjusted numbers and are likely misleading. The United Nations Human Development Report of 1997 states, during the last 15 to 20 years, more than 100 developing countries and several Eastern European countries have suffered from disastrous growth failures. The reduction in standard of living have been deeper and more long-lasting than what was seen in the industrialized countries during the Depression in the 1930s. As a result, the income for more than 1 billion people has fallen below the level that was reached 10, 20, or 30 years ago. Similarly, although the proportion of starving people in Sub-Saharan Africa have decreased, the absolute number of starving people has increased due to population growth. The percentage dropped from 38% in 1970 to 33% in 96 and was suspected to be 30% by 20, the year 2010. But the region's population roughly doubled between 1970 and 1996. To keep the numbers of starving constant, the percentage would have dropped by more than half, but it did not. As of 2004, there were 108 countries in the world with more than 5 million people. All of these in which women have on the average more than four children in their lifetime have a capita GDP of less than $5,000. Only two countries with per capita GDP above $15,000 do women have on the average more than two children in their lifetime. Those are Israel and Saudi Arabia with average lifetime births per women between two and four respectively. As their incomes increase, women are liberated and tend to have fewer quantity kids, as in two in place of six. The correlation does not imply cause and effect and can be linked to the interplay of birth rates, death rates, and economic development. Poor living conditions can also cause very bad effect on the population. Diseases such as malaria and HIV AIDS can contribute to this. Lack of nutrients, poor sanitation, and poor health institutions. Death rates and birth rates can also have a negative effect on the population. Overpopulation has substantially Firstly, impacted the environment of the earth starting at least as early as the 20th century. 
There are also economic consequences of this event degradation in the form of ecosystem services attrition. Beyond the scientifically verifiable harm to the environment, some assessed the moral right of other species to simply exist rather than become extinct. Some scientists have said that our burgeoning population and urban way of life have been purchased at the expense of vast ecosystem and habitats. It is no accident we celebrate the urbanization of the world. We are quickly approaching another historic watershed, the disappearance of the wild. Other scientists say, where do we stand in our efforts to achieve a sustainable world? Clearly, the past half century has been a traumatic one as the collective impact of human numbers, affluence, and our choices of technology continue to exploit rapidly an increasing population of the world's resources at an unsustainable rate during a remarkably short period of time. We have lost a quarter of the world's topsoil and a fifth of its agricultural land, altered the com composition of the atmosphere profoundly, and destroyed a major proportion of our forests and other natural habitats without replacing them. Worst of all, we have driven the rate biological extinction, the permanent loss of species, up several hundred times beyond its historical levels, and have threatened with the loss of a majority of all species by the end of the 21st century. Further, even in countries which have both large population growth and major ecological problems, it's not necessarily true that curbing the population growth will make a major contribution towards resolving all environmental problems. However, as developing countries with high populations become more industrialized, pollution and consumption will invariably increase. The World Watch Institute said the booming economies of China and India are planetary powers that are shaping the global biosphere. The report states that the world's ecological capacity is simply insufficient to satisfy the ambitions of China, India, Japan, Europe, and the United States, as well as the aspirations of the rest of the world in a sustainable way. It is said that if China and India were to consume as much resources per capita as the United States or Japan in 2030, together they would require a full planet Earth to meet their needs. In the long term, these effects can lead to increased conflict over dwindling resources and in the worst case, a Malthusian catastrophe. Your journey is now ending.
are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.